Hey, it's Darren from Bonfire. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This episode was recorded live on YouTube and Facebook. Head on over, you'll get the full Bonfire experience. Consider giving us a like and a subscribe. And when you do that, you help fuel more free content here on Bonfire Sports. Find everything you need, links and more, bonfiresports.ca. Now, enjoy the show. How is everybody here on Bonfire Midweek? Good to be with you. The Bombers are banged and beat up, Zach, but they are still finding out some way to win. They moved to 7-0. and Lots to get to on the program today. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm, I am I hope uh, everybody realizes how fresh I'm looking with my Lefty Carol Ultimate Hair Design haircut today. She's my spin instructor and my, my hairdresser. So a uh, big shout out to uh, Lefty Carol. And other than that, beautiful day in, in the peg. And uh, what can I say? We're talking about football, buddy. We're seven and oh, I mean, it, 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 I don't know about you, but well, you're, you're, you're the professional. I get it. But for the fans here, it feels darn good. Even though it was ugly, it feels darn good to be seven oh. and oh, baby. I have no doubt it feels good to be a Blue Bomber fan these days because uh, everything seems to be going their way, maybe outside of some health and, and some uh, some injury issues. We'll, we're going to get into that. we got a lot to get to on the program today. Thanks to everybody who's uh, already joining in on the live chat. Uh, Lynn and Arlen. Uh, Joe is uh, back. Aaron is here. Um, Jeff said he remembers so uh, he's uh, back in Booch, uh, all of our favorites, waiters, of course. Scott Roger, rifle up. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here uh, on Bonfire Sports. So we're going to look ahead to this coming week. Obviously, it is a huge rematch, two weeks separated between the Calgary Stampeders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, we're going to talk about our old pal here in Winnipeg, Chris Strebler. He signed a new contract. Hate to say I told you so, but told you so. Uh, I'll give you that. Another, yeah. Getting another opportunity in the NFL. Uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are having a real fall from grace happening in a year where they are hosting the Grey Cup. That has to be a bad feeling uh, in Ryderville right now. The Ottawa Red Blacks are still winless. How hot is Paul Apolis's seat right now? And have the Hamilton Tiger Cats actually woken up after a very, very poor start and, and no wins through the first five weeks of the season? We're going to discuss. We'll go around the league in a uh, very busy CFL Week 7, including a whole bunch of stuff from a bit of a weird game, Zach. Uh, Bombers-Elks last Friday night, a game that turned out to be really, really ugly football. Well, you say it's ugly, Darren. But I rewatched it and I saw some things that made me smile. I, I saw some things that impressed me about the Bombers, even though some are calling it ugly. 
Someone's saying my camera's trippy. You look great to me, man. I look good. Some people are saying I, I look like I belong in grade eight. If only I could go back to grade eight. You, you got like the Jerry Seinfeld hair haircut, right? Remember when he gets that that haircut, or is it like the bad shower pressure, whatever it is? Uh, yeah. But but you know, people are calling it an ugly gay. But I but I want to talk about some some things that I found to be quite impressive about the bombers. I, um, just just some things about explosion plays they they did have and, and didn't allow some special team stuff that Edmonton did that the bombers didn't. And then how opportunistic and resilient the bombers were, despite the fact that they were wounded. So I have some good things to say about that ugly game. I want to pretty it up just like I prettied myself up, Darren, uh, so that people feel a little bit better about that game. Well, interesting comment from uh, waiters, uh, always wading into the bonfire waters for a completely mixed metaphor. Uh, after listening to the coaches show, uh, you'd think the Bombers were three and four on the season. Some fans need to relax. Yeah, I mean, I could say that almost any day about any team or any sport. Fan is, it, it's, a, it's a word with a definition, Zach. Fan, fanatical, it, it literally means out of your mind. That's what it means yeah. to be fanatical. So if you're a fan, you don't have to be in your right mind. You are enjoying yourself uh, taking in your favorite team or uh, game or what have you. But, um, you know, fans are always going to nitpick uh, or some fans are always going to nitpick. Others will, uh, you know, have the, the rose-colored glasses on or the blue-colored glasses, as we've referred to uh, here on Bonfire in the past. Um, but in the end, uh, this Mike O'Shea coached team zach you know to to go off of your point they are always going to try to be better no matter what happens win by two win by 22 win by 52 uh or lose by any of those margins they're always going to try to be better um we're going to hear from dalton Schoen on the program today but uh coming up on game day winnipeg on friday live at three o'clock as we always do the day before the game chris walby will join me i got a clip from mike o'shea uh, asked him today about, and I'll give you, give everyone out there a little bit of a teaser, but um, asked him about, you know, if it's a learning process or if it's a teachable moment or a teachable game when you find a way to win. He talked about the ways his veterans see games like we did in Edmonton on, uh, on Friday, how the young players see a game like that and where those two types of players, the young players and the veteran players, kind of communicate with one another in regards to that. That's all I'll say. Be sure to check out uh, Game Day Winnipeg on Friday for more. Well, and, and I know we want to get to, to uh, going around the CFL, but I will say I listened to that coach's show, and I think Waiters has a point. Like people, mm -hmm. there was one guy who was blasting O'Shea for giving up a couple of second and 12s and second and 14s. And, you know, I, I know the place he's talking about, Rose was beaten on the field side, but, I mean, those plays happen, and Cornelius was seeing the field better. Marshall Ferguson was talking about it this week, who who is an ex-quarterback and, and who is an analyst on TSN and watches the games, calls the games. He said Cornelius is seeing, seeing the field better. I mean, that's going to happen. To blast O'Shea on, on a few of those, like, you give those up in the CFL sometimes. It wasn't pretty. Uh, they were right after sacks, but yeah, I mean, people... How many how many like, touchdowns did Edmonton score? How many exactly. touchdowns did Edmonton hey, score? Hey, you're you're getting into my Zach's Schnitzer's sober second thought review. 
Well, I don't yeah. know. I'm not going to say it was uh, sober, but it was a second <laughs> thought. Well, it's a good second thought to have because <laughs> the reality is nobody says the Bombers won. Uh, like, for example, nobody will say the Bombers won um, 321 yards to 272 yards, right? They'll say they won 24-10. It's points on the board that matter. And by the way, Edmonton had 321 yards. Winnipeg had 272. Uh, Edmonton won the time of possession 37 minutes to 23 minutes. Uh, Edmonton had twice as many first downs, nearly 23 to 12. Edmonton won the uh, the first down uh, battle. Uh, and then, you know, turnovers weren't really too much of a, a factor uh, in this game. So, you know, it's fascinating, Zach. Two weeks ago, the Calgary Stampeders come here. The Bombers outthrow them. out. Well, maybe didn't outrun them because Kadeem Carey yeah. continues to be like the best ball carrier in the CFL, in my opinion, hands down. Um, but they beat them in time of possession, in first downs, in second down conversions. When Greg Ellingson had those seven second down conversions and 11 catches on, on 14 targets, the offense was clicking. The defense was clicking all of the uh, the numbers and the ratio were in the Blue Bombers' favor, and they came out with a win. And then they go to Alberta to play the other team in the province, and it's the complete opposite game. Totally. Zach Kolaris has really no passing numbers. He was 7 of 16 for 188. Two touchdowns and two interceptions. One was a tipped ball. You can't hang that one on Kolaris. Yeah, it was tipped. At all. Um Brady Oliveira has his best rushing game of the season with uh, 13 carries for 62 yards. Nice average of 4.8. Um, so we'll see if he's able to build on that uh, in Calgary this weekend. Uh, but overall, outside of a couple deep shots to Dalton Schoen, there wasn't much going for Winnipeg. However, they still got the job done. They found a way to win. They allowed three field goals and a single. Yeah. Congrats. You got 10 points on the Bombers. You're probably not going to win too many football games in the CFL, let alone against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with 10 points. Totally agree. I mean, I'm just salivating to get into my thoughts on that game, Darren. Sure. You're just you're just teeing me up here. What do, I, what do we want to do? Are we going to go around the CFL or what? Let's go what? around the CFL. Are we going to go opposite day? Yeah, well, before we go around the CFL, I want to remind everybody <laughs> right here, S. SIA.com slash bonfire. Sign up, make your minimum deposit. I think it's only 20 bucks. You can, you know, put a little sprinkle on the games. There's no minimum bets, I, I don't believe. Um, and if you do that, you help us. That's Zach and myself and Chris Walby uh, and, and everybody else who contributes uh, help support us here uh, on the channel. So really appreciate Sports Interaction for our new affiliate partnership. Uh, go check them out. Uh, SIA.com slash bonfire um, lines down below in the ticker as well. Uh, so you can look ahead to week eight, but yes, Zach week seven in the CFL, maybe not as thrilling or exciting as some of the, the really awesome weeks we've had in the first third of the season. Uh, let's start in Ottawa where the winless red blacks were looking at an opportunity. Okay. We got an East opponent. Oh. We got a team that has been up and down this season, a team with a new coach and a new, a new defensive coordinator. Here come the Montreal Alouettes. And what happens? Trevor Harris throws for 341 yards and two touchdowns. Doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, Jeshrin Antwi had 79 yards rushing, uh, including one he ripped off for 55. Yeah, um, that was a big and, one. And Ottawa just couldn't 
finish drives. They did put up 33 points, but they really, really struggled to get it done when they needed to. Uh, Caleb Evans went 25 of 40, which wasn't too bad. Threw for 297 yards, okay? Fine. But I don't know if he's going to be able to help Ottawa to a win this season, at least not with this team. We saw one snap of Nick Arbuckle. Might we see him this coming week? I don't think so. I I, I think they're going to give Caleb Evans some rope. Uh, it's not Caleb Evans' fault that they started zero four. That's when he comes in, and he, I right. think Darren he did he did enough. Holy, we've already got a hundred messages. It must it. it must be the shaving of the beard. I don't know, man. <laughs> this is uh, unbelievable. Uh, it's not his fault they were zero four. And he did enough to at least tie the game to get within mm-hmm. a point after attempt to tie the game at 40. But Darvin Adams drops the ball. If Darvin Adams catches that ball in the dying minutes, and Darvin Adams should have caught that ball. That was right in his hands. He missed time. He, he was great. He was great all before. Day. He had a touchdown, right? Like he was yeah, the he stud had, of, of the game. Like, prior to that drop, he had nine catches on 12 targets for 118 for yards. You know, four second down conversions. He was making it happen. Even after the catch, he had 30 yak yards uh, in that game. But unfortunate for Ottawa to see a W slip between their fingers and the expression on Paul Apolis's face on the sideline. Clear frustration uh, from the second season head coach uh, in Ottawa. Um, They lose 40-33. That was a tough one. It's brutal. I mean, it reminds me of the uh, four and fourteen bombers that we had in twenty ten. You know, it's like it's like uh, we're we're on repeat here. History repeating yeah. itself. This team is losing games by the smallest margin in the CFL. Mm-hmm. And Darvin Adams catches that ball. It's it's a different ball game. He has to make the catch. Scott Rogers saying it. You know, you have to make that catch at that time. And we know Darvin Adams is old, but he's not that old that he's getting sleepy at that time of the night, right? Like you got to catch that ball. It, it, it's a, and and Ottawa fans were pissed off, and I think Winnipeg fans could feel it too. That when when Ottawa was down on the goal line, kicking those short field goals, you know, mm-hmm. you have to get majors in the CFL. Just look what happened to Edmonton. They you can have all the possession you want, but listen, zero and six is zero and six. And we're going to talk about our power rankings. Uh, One third in the season. It's time. Right? Later on. But 0-6 is 0-6. They could easily have a, a Montreal's record. But but this is what's crazy. They're, they're four points out of first place in the East. <laughs> Two wins. Two wins and they're right there. And they have Toronto this week. So they can chop that in half. Uh, yep. Is Montreal on the bye? Is Montreal on the bye this coming week? Yeah. Uh, no, Mon- Montreal's in Hamilton. Right. It's all inside division games uh, yeah. this coming week. Uh, Saskatchewan hosting BC, Toronto hosting Ottawa, Calgary hosting Winnipeg, of course, Hamilton hosting Montreal. Um, I-, I would give Hamilton that game. I think they're going to go home and, and and handle business. The Montreal or the Ottawa Red Blacks are not out of it. Like no. firing Paul Apolis right now would be a Stupid. grave, grave mistake, even for the new GM there that did not hire Paul Apolis. Apolis was instilled one season in two years through the pandemic as their head coach. The new GM comes in. You fire a coach midseason. It's trouble at the best of times. They still have a real opportunity to make something happen. Um, I well, that would be that they, would be really they do. Dumb. 
They do. I, I, I think that uh, they're probably holding the sticks too tight. Uh, like Scott Roger is saying, I'm just repeating what Guild Scott hockey, Roger is saying. Hockey, yeah. Well, he, he would know, and, and he, he would know. He, Scott Rogers would, would know. Right? He is a wide receiver father, knows Darwin should have caught that ball. Um, yeah. You know, knows, knows what it's like to, to get through that. Well, and Caleb Evans had 52 yards rushing and, and two touchdowns. He would have had the over 300 yards passing if if Darwin catches the ball. Would have had a great night. I I think you stick with them for a little bit. Arbuckle yeah. just got there, and and you see what you can do. I mean, to, to Lapo's credit, even a stud like Lewis Ward, who's Mister Automatic Robo Kicker, is having trouble. But I think mm-hmm. we can't talk about that game, Darren, without mentioning the command center stuff at the end with those Remind high me. tackles. That was like a week ago. That game. I know. So so you had two higher tackles on Caleb Evans that got flagged and then they got overturned by the command center and people were just losing their minds over the command center, just talking about how much of a clown show they were. But a lot of people and including CFL pundits were saying the command center as, as silly as it looked, they did get it right. They were high tackles, but they weren't on the head. They weren't around the head and neck area. So maybe it looked like a clown show, but they were legit reversals. Booch is saying 100% agree. It just didn't look good. It just didn't look good for the CFL, yeah. but I think they got it right. And 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 if I'm a fan of either team, I, want, I, I saw some Ottawa fans, right? Like they need to get those right. And they did. So uh, it, it looked funny. It, it, it wasted a lot of time, but. On a rare double Thursday night header, hey, like, isn't that, that was interesting. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Anyway, too bad for Lapo, but, but I I hope they turn it around. But at the end of the day, if you keep finding ways to lose games, you keep finding ways to lose games. And that is on the coach. Yeah. Well, they do have their opportunity this week in Toronto, uh, far from a confident team, a very, uh, um, oh, Toronto! Undisciplined team. Uh, we're going to get goodness. their game against Saskatchewan this past week. Uh, Gerard, who's watching live on YouTube, what's going on, Gerard? Thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. What about COVID in Calgary? We're going to talk about COVID oh, yeah, and pneumonia in Calgary uh, in just a little bit. Uh, but continuing uh, a quick trip around CFL Week Seven, Hamilton in Vancouver to face the Lions uh, to cap the Thursday doubleheader last week, Zach and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying like Dane Evans continues to make people very, very nervous anytime the football is in his hands. But he threw for nearly 300 yards um, and the the BC Lions, particularly on offense, are starting to look a little bit more human than yep. they were earlier in the season. I think the more film you find on a young team, uh, the, the better matchups they will have. Uh, James Butler. Man, he is exciting to watch. Real explosion uh, in the running game. And Lucky Whitehead had his coming out party. Eight catches on nine targets, 111 yards, and a touchdown, including a a long one for 43. Um, But Hamilton uh, able to give it a game, but BC uh, uh, able to hold them off and keep Hamilton at one win this season. You're right. I think the Lions are coming back to earth a little bit, but the fact that they scratch and claw out a win against the feline rivals and the Tiger Cats, I think it looks good on them, but but they are coming back down to earth. You see, when you look at the stats, I mean, they 
they are the offensive stats are insane. They're still head mm-hmm. and shoulders above everybody. But those outlying games at the at the beginning of the season against Toronto and Edmonton, I really, you know, they've struggled against Ottawa. They barely beat Ottawa. They barely beat Hamilton. So and then and then you know they were shown what true champions play like when we spanked them a, a few weeks ago. So they're an interesting team. I, I, I'd be I, I'd be fascinating to see where the Lions end up at the end of the regular season, Darren. But but one thing they can do is run the ball. You talked about Butler. And if you can run the ball, then then you can win. If you got Rourke and you got those receivers and Butler keeps playing like that and, and Rourke can run a little bit, I, I think they're really exciting. And I think they're that's sustainable football. You look at Hamilton, and I know you talk about how Hamilton is going to come around. They don't run the ball. They literally do not run the ball. They've and never, it seems. They, <laughs> yeah. Well, they have that run and shoot offense with June Jones. They ha- they even have Don Jackson now. Yeah. But they, you don't run the ball. You're one dimensional and, and other teams they are just going to tee off on you. They run it really collectively. Like what was it here? 17? Yeah. They, they ran the ball 25 times. Okay. Now Matthew Schultz had two of those, you know, in short yardage. Sean Thomas Erlington, the Canadian tailback, one carry for nine yards. Don Jackson, their traditional tailback, 11 carries for 36 yards, 3.3 yards per carry as a traditional ball carrier. Um, I mean, like, you know, handing it off to your running back, running it between the tackles sort of stuff. Dane Evans took off six times for 24 yards. Uh, Two carries for Braylon Addison, two carries for Tim White. They, they spread it around. They do a lot of these, you know, unique jet sweeps and, and, yeah. and shovels and pitches and all this, this sort of stuff. Um, but not, or, or, you know, even like swing passes and, and keeping it behind the line of scrimmage, um, which effectively works like a run play, but they do not pound it up the middle. It, it's not the same type of run play that keeps defenses honest as far as where they're lining up on the field, where their focus is, their eyes in the backfield, the rest. You can't keep your eyes in the backfield if the running back is, is going to be coming between uh, a gap in, in the right. middle, you know, right. like in the backfield, I mean, eyes on the quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but that all said, uh, you think you're, you're curious to see where BC ends up in the standings at the end of the season. I'm leaning more towards the tie cats. I'm very curious to see if they're able to win the East division. They sit at one in five. They are wildly outscored in points for to points against um, by 41. They're yeah, outscored. they're minus 41. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 0-3 on the road, 1-2 and 2 at home, fine, whatever. They are two points, one win out of first place in the East. Uh, our our one-third mark of the season power rankings debate coming up later tonight, Zach, between you and I, is going to be really, really fun and, and telling. Uh, well, it's quick- Steve, Steve Rotohuskers. Uh, is it the Steve Rotohuskers up on the top here? Oh, oh no, that's freezing. I, that, that's freezing again. He's, he's Bob Molly. He's, uh, he's whoever. He makes a good point though. Rourke has still yet to beat a team over 500. Well, they did beat the Argos, but the Argos weren't, it, they weren't over 500 at the time, but. Um, yeah, interesting. It will be interesting to see. Yeah, All right. What's this, the next one? 
Yeah, well, I was just noticing uh, Booch27 saying the Blue Bombers should send Hamilton a neg list or a lay-round draft pick for Don Jackson, their American running back. There's two teams that do not want to help the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's the Calgary Stampeders <laughs> and it's the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, good point, you, probably even, you could probably even throw in the Riders, um, you know, especially because they're they're hosting uh, uh, the Grey Cup this season. But yeah, I, I don't see that happening. I also don't see Winnipeg, um, you know, doing anything to bring in somebody unless they are desperate as far as healthy bodies to play. Another thing we will talk about uh, in just a, a couple minutes. We'll skip over the Winnipeg Edmonton game because we're going to be talking a lot about that. Uh, cap the week was a 31-21 Toronto Argonauts win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and it was all Andrew oh, Harris. Early in the game, he game. became the sixth player ever in CFL history to rush for 10,000 yards and the first Canadian ever to rush for 10,000 yards. I put out a tweet congratulating Andrew on the accomplishment and saying how he may go down as the greatest male athlete in Winnipeg history. That got the debate fired up. We talked about Jonathan Taze. Sure we talked about some of the female um, candidates, including Cindy Clausen, my vote uh, in Clara Hughes, medals in both Olympics, summer and winter. She's my GOAT female athlete from Winnipeg. Um, but uh, it definitely got the debate stirred up with international play and championships and uh, individual stats and, and the rest. But uh, that was a lot of fun. Meanwhile, the Argos ride his 143-yard rushing performance to a 31-21 victory and a big one, obviously, for them in the standings uh, to keep them tied with Montreal for first place with two wins. And he and he gets play, and he gets a, one of the player of the week honors, right? Because he's he's also seven for seven out of the backfield for 45 mm -hmm. yards. Like he was just an animal. You saw him uh hurdling people. And I think that was a game where Winnipeg fans' hearts were kind of going in two directions. Because on the one hand, you see Andrew Harris, who many of us want back, and, and you hear a lot of chatter, even Hustler was saying this, you know, are we going to trade for him again at the end of the season if the Argos are out of it, right? right. So it's hard to see him do well, and, and he looked like vintage Andrew Harris, even better maybe than last year, aside from that Western final game. But speaking of that game where he ripped the Riders, the other part of our hearts are saying, look at him. He just hates them. Like whenever he goes to Regina, he just tees off. And I got to tell you, it it uh, it brought a, a happy tear to my eye, Darren. So uh, congratulations to Andrew, to, despite all the the messy divorce and all that. I mean, he's a hometown boy. He wanted he wanted the money. He wanted to be wanted. I don't begrudge him that. We've talked about that before. But yeah, quite a boy, bit. Did, yep. did he have a game? But Toronto, I tweeted. Well, first of all, I had nine oh nine hundred and five followers that very day. And so I thought, okay, nine oh five area code, they're gonna win. I also bet on the Argos on uh, at minus one and a half on uh, sports interaction. Made me some money. I know you got them at plus one and a half, my friend. Mm -hmm. I did. He does lose his helmet a lot of times, but I know people are talking about that. I, I, I wonder if there's a prop bet on sports interaction for uh, there should people. be. Times chin strap is loose, times it, it comes off, that sort of but thing. But Toronto, like they tried to lose that game. It was it was at one point I was just well, I couldn't scream at the TV because I was putting the putting the kid to bed, but I was I was kind of watching on my phone and uh oh my god, like what an absolute tire fire. And I tweeted out 
if I'm an Argo fan watching that game, a game that you you should beat them by two, three scores. I mean, Jake Dolagala is their third string quarterback. They're walking wounded. They've got all this drama in the locker room. You've got Dick, Dickinson acting like a clown. That should have they should have destroyed them. And and I looked at one stat that really would piss me off if I'm an Argo fan. They have turned the ball over in the other team's red zone three times this year. And and Harris, speaking of Harris, did it again. Mm-hmm. And you know that 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 field goal, like sixty-one yard field goal, even with Boris Beatty in his leg. Like, why do you give another? Like, they were winning by what two? Now you're going to go up by five. Like they got greedy, and and Ryan Dinwiddie, Ryan Dinwiddie spoke about this after the game. Waiters uh, mentioning the obvious here. Ryan Dinwiddie calls a lot of questionable plays, but that decision was one of two things. It was either desperation or you know blockhead, <laughs> really right. Like it, one of two things happened. I think it was. Um, uh, sorry, we're, t- we're talking about, I'm thinking about his challenge call late in the game. That oh, was a no, desperation no, I'm not talking move. about that one. But yeah, no, at, at right before the half, deciding to kick the field goal was pure greed. And yes, Dinwiddie, that's where I was. I lost my train of thought there with all of these great comments in the live chat. Thanks everybody. Well, it's that uh, digression, buddy. That. You're, you're the king of the digression and you haven't right. even said the word today. So I'm going to give right. you some props. We oh, should do a geez, prop bet on that, been, buddy. It's been 29 minutes. Well, yeah, I know. I'm going to have to take some shots. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I love it. But do it. You know, he talked about it after the game. It was greed. It was trying to gain a little bit more momentum uh, at the half. Um, you know, I get it as much as I do not get it. You know, he is an inexperienced um, head coach and uh, it, it bit him. You know, it, it absolutely it hit him and it deserved to bite him. I, he, in his post game, he said he wanted more points. Like you're up by two. Everybody knows that, that the Argos were the better team. And, and mm-hmm. all they had to do was manage the game and let Jake Dolagala make some mistakes or just throw in completions. You, you yeah. just give them life that they don't need. And I just, I just, it was a head scratcher. It was just like, it was like going full tilt poker, but you're ahead. Like, why are you going yeah. full tilt, buddy? Yeah. You, 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 you know, you're the chip leader there. What are you doing? Uh, and, and then, you know, they, they, they have that bad snap at their own red zone, which <laughs> that was interesting. Hey, you see Charleston, no who's bad ahead of, even, even uh, Glenn Stewart that, was confused by that one. That He's like, oh, that's the, smart. Like, that was Glenn the play Stewart of the kinda, year. I didn't know yeah. that rule existed. You know, yeah, he neither, said, if, if I knew not, that, actually. I would have used two hands because apparently right. you could do it with two or whatever, you know, uh, you can but, kick it. You can kick it. Right. You can dribble right. it, but you can't right. like, I didn't know that. So I, I appreciate that Glenn Suter walked it back, but, but what an <laughs> unbelievable play by just, Charleston Hughes. That was awesome. Uh, I hope that stays in some highlight packs, despite it being an illegal play. Uh, that was pure athleticism and just veteran savvy and smarts to do what he did. Just, Knock it out of the out of the way from uh, from uh, um, McLeod Bethel Thompson, and uh, you know make make something happen. I, I thought Jake Dolagala looked pretty comfortable. Uh, there might be a future yeah. uh, in there for him. Of course, we've seen that a lot in the CFL, where a, one quarterback a quarterback has a good game uh, or three, and suddenly you're like, oh wow, this is the you know he's going to be the next starter, and it ends up kind of uh, just petering out. 
last, I mean, last thing uh, I want to mention about this, though, Zach, is Curly Gittens Jr., the Canadian. Like, he's had some really good plays and some pretty good games in his, uh, you know, through his first two CFL seasons or one and a half right now. Uh, eight catches on eight targets, 152 yards and a touchdown. He had four second down conversions. Of his 152 yards, 92 after the catch. He made it happen. Uh, Speed. Yeah, elusiveness. He's a great football player. He is fast. On on that long touchdown, boy, did he put on the afterburners. Yeah, no, Mm -hmm. he was impressive. I I was a little bit... uh, I was a little bit hurt that Dalton Schoen didn't get on there, but I think Gittins beat him out, and that, that's fair. He's Canadian, too. What about this challenge? What, tell, what did you think about that? Yeah, so I'm trying to think back to it now. They were challenging... Oh, geez. Now I can't completely recall. Someone on the chat, Mike, because someone said... I actually don't... Well, Waiters is going to say, you know, it's his hot comments that uh, <laughs> that, that get me flustered, but... Uh, it was it was a pretty ridiculous decision. That's what I vividly remember was like, what is he doing? Oh, right. It was the spot. Thanks again, waiters. That's right. Waiters. It was the spot. Right. And you know what? Even the some, commentators. Some people, were, yeah. Yeah. Some people were saying like, oh, the camera angle shows it. You know, it, it's not. Th- they just measured it. They were just on the field measuring it. And you're going to challenge like what? Somebody hundreds of meters away. With a video camera is going to know better than the official who's standing right there next to the other official who put the ball at that spot. Pure idiocy or desperation um, to make that challenge call. Thanks again, waiters. Appreciate you uh, keeping me checked uh, on Bonfire Sports here. you're there well, when we need you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we do. We we had a spirited discussion in our uh, bonfire uh, fireside chat group about that, about camera angles, and and you said it well. Like you're right, the refs right there. There, you never get those overturned. No, Maybe in the NFL you do here and there, but not the CFL. Yeah, like at the goal line or that sort of because they put the cameras right in like the the foam pylons at the corner. You know. Yeah. And I, and I get the frustration, you know, that you're, that you're going to turn it over on downs and, and they thought they had the first down and, and maybe they did. I mean, it's so close, right? But so, so, so stupid. Gregory, with this comment, it was a first down. Last camera angle displayed that. I mentioned this to Gregory in a DM group. Uh, yes. I'm in with him and I just mentioned it here on the show. The camera guy cannot get the, the right angle. He can't go right down the line because that's where the official is standing. Like it's literally impossible for that camera angle to get the proper angle. So are you going to trust an off camera angle or the human being who's right there seeing with it with his eyes and and not through a a camera screen, but um, we digress. How about that? Uh, Okay. So that brings us obviously to Winnipeg's seventh win of the season, 24, 10 in Edmonton. Over the Elks, Taylor Cornelius, not too bad of a game. 60% for 270 yards. The defense bent, 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 did not break. They allow three field goals and a single. Zach Kolaris was 44% passing. Uh, And if it wasn't for some nice deep shots to rookie sensation Dalton Schoen, this may have been a very, very different football game. Uh, your sober second thought, Zach, uh, you and I obviously did the post game, but now that you've had a few sleeps on it, 
What do you think back and, and uh, remind or are reminded of when uh, you, you think of that uh, Bombers win in Edmonton? Well, uh, first of all, it's funny. They, they, <laughs> they're seven and oh, and he had seven completions. I just think, I think that's amazing. But yeah, when I think of the seven completions, it sounds like a ridiculously low number. And, and it was funny how people were saying, you know, when was the last time that happened? Well, sure enough, it was 2019 when Chris Streveler was the quarterback and he had seven completions and he, he had a buttload of yards uh, rushing. Funny enough, in that game, our winning touchdown drive was also penalty aided because Jeff Gray got his face into the other team and then he sort of pranced away like he didn't do anything. And then <laughs> the, the, Elk, uh, the Elks got, got the flag. But uh, I thought it was an interesting game. First of all, I thought it what you talked about Calgary at, uh, last week or two weeks ago, rather. It was almost the exact opposite in that Calgary really gave us trouble with explosion plays, Darren, and special teams dominance. This time it was the Bombers with special teams dominance and explosion plays. So I thought it was kind of funny how that turned around. But but let me I, I have three I have three themes. I have explosion plays. I've got special teams blunders by by the Elks. But then I've got that maybe we're not appreciating how opportunistic and resilient the Bombers were in that game. So let me let me just start with uh, my sort of sober second thought. This is water, by the way. I'm not drinking on a Tuesday night at this time, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what Darren's drinking. We should be drinking. We should have a beer sponsor because we have freaking Walby. I mean, come on. It's a no-brainer. But anyway, uh, I digress. So so the Bombers allowed no explosion plays. And I'm doing that by the letter of the law. You know that mm-hmm. Lawler had one 25-yard catch, but it has to be a 30-yard catch in the CFL to be a big play. Did not allow a big play. Uh, they had two close ones. So there was a bomb uh, to Lawler where actually in the second quarter where Houston was beat. But who breaks it up but Malcolm Thompson, Right. So he breaks up a play. So they don't allow that one. Then Rose, who kind of got dummied on the field side a few times, uh, especially on second and long after some Bombers sacks, he breaks up a 30-yard one in the third quarter to Hawley. And then there was great coverage uh, on on Lawler on a 40-yard pass that would have got the Bombers, would have got the Elks right back in the game in the fourth quarter. And uh, I believe there was double coverage. So, so they didn't give up the big play like they did versus Calgary. They didn't give up a big run versus Winnipeg who feasted on the big play. It was, you know, the, the end of the second quarter, the game was kind of putting you to sleep. It's 10, six and boom, Zach Kalaris dances around pressure. Like he had been all night. And just a thing of beauty to Dalton shown with 40 yards of yak yards and dummying Duran Carter. I mean, that's Deron your favorite Carter, word tonight. Yeah, I've said it again. I might even be self-referential here, but anyway, <laughs> I mean, any any other safety has him dead to rights and he just dances around and runs away from him and I mean, what a play that got me out of my chair. And I, and I know it was just one play, but, but it's just the difference between the two teams that Winnipeg executed on their big plays. And then 
uh, with about four minutes left in the second quarter, he had that 40-yarder to Dalton Schoen. I mean, nothing was going well, and, and then he had a beautiful, beautiful catch on the sidelines. So they had two huge explosion plays. They they also had the touchdown catch to Bailey, which was, I believe, 26 yards. So it didn't it didn't technically count. But and then he almost had another big one to show, and he just overthrew him in the end zone. I mean, Zach Lars for for the putrid numbers almost had four touchdown passes. He he had a touchdown pass uh, in that winning nine minute and twenty seven second romp in the fourth quarter to win the game. But but it was a pass interference on Janarian Grant. His jersey was pulled. He would have reeled that for a touchdown. He almost has four touchdowns. In, in any case, so so the explosion plays, we had them, they didn't. Uh, as much pressure that was on Zach, he didn't get sacked. We had five sacks, huge. And then, and then yeah. four knockdowns, three by Willie Jefferson. So just we came to play when we needed to play. It was almost like we were playing possum with that team. Uh, so I think, you know, they're an inexperienced a, team. They, they could they're an play inexperienced a team and, and it's a trap game as much as, as much as O'Shea would never admit that you're walking into Edmonton, a team that's a bit of a tire fire on the road, a, a short, a short week. I believe we had three games in, in what, how many days, 18 days or something. We're right. walking wounded and, and the, Winnipeg did what they had to do. Okay. Second thing was special teams. Edmonton took six special teams penalties for a total of 66 yards. And that is just going to kill you. Two of them were illegal blocks. So it, so it puts you back right in terms of field position. They had an illegal kickoff was the very first kickoff of the game. And by the way, it was uh, Matt, this guy, Matt Mengel. So it was interesting. They had one kickoff in the whole game. And it was the first one. He kicked it off out of bounds. I guess they went away from it after that. And uh, and then it was was Sergio Castillo mm-hmm. uh, was just punting and, and, and place kicking. So I, I thought that was odd that he wasn't kicking off. But anyway, they had the illegal kickoff to start the game that that, you know, that puts the Bombers on the 50 yard line, two illegal blocks, one no yards. And then they had a roughness on a return, Darren. And then, of course, the infamous uh, contacting the kicker. And and just to you, you put those together, those are things you just cannot do against the Bombers. The Bombers had one special teams penalty, and it was in garbage time. Tyrell Ford, there was about a minute left. It was we were up by two scores. It, it was over. So just there's the penalties. They had double the penalties, and you you just can't do that against the Bombers, even if they're on an off night. So they beat themselves on special teams, and then I want to talk just a second. And then I'll shut up, but, but opportunistic, right? So yes, the Bombers get that, you know, that well-deserved Dietrich Nichols pick off the, off the little chew that uh, Malik Clements, the dentist took out of the ball. Oh, nice, I see what you nice, did there. Yeah. Yeah. I, he batted it down nicely and first play beautiful, beautiful Zach Kolaris touchdown pass to Rashid Bailey in between two defenders. He beat Dakud, who's a good, good halfback. And it was a, it was a physical catch by Bailey. You know, like he, he, the, the guy's hand was right in his face. I think he caught it with one hand and wrestled it to the ground, maintained possession. So even though Bailey's not getting the numbers, when his number is called, he makes that beautiful catch. So they, they turned that into a touchdown immediately. 
Then you had Zach Kolaris. He had he had that pick to Antigua. He was under pressure. Um, next play, Thompson just smokes Kenny Lawler, takes him out of the game for a bit. Uh, and then the next play after that, Taylor Cornelius is sacked for seven yards by Biggie, right? right? So so Edmonton picks it off, but they do absolutely nothing with it. You, you talked about this last time, right? And then they punt. Uh, the next Winnipeg possession, right? They've given up a pick. They get the ball back in a two and out. What happens? Brady Oliveira loses three yards. Fair enough. That was happening at the beginning of the game. And then it's the 81-yard touchdown. So opportunistic, they're resilient. And just the last one there is, you know, you talked about the Deron Carter interception. Zach was hit as he threw. Next next play, Edmonton does get a big pass, but then but then it's two plays and out. So it's basically three plays. They punt the ball. And then you have the drive where Winnipeg basically salts the game away. So even though they're throwing picks on the road and the offense is stalled, the next drive is that massive nine minute, 27 second uh, drive. That's where Brady Oliveira finally gets running. And he, he had a few decent runs with a large of 10. And there was a nice play on that drive. I will say Zach only had seven completions, but it, uh, he had one falling down under pressure. He was falling down and somehow found Dalton shown for 16 yards and and then he had the PI against Janarian Grant, which was a beautiful throw, by the way. It would have been a touchdown if his right. jersey hadn't been pulled. So, so, the, so, just it's not pretty. But the Bombers are opportunistic when the when the opportunity presents itself, they go for the kill shot, and that's all they needed to do in that game. It wasn't pretty, but it's it's what they needed to do. So I just thought, as ugly as the game might have been on the surface, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty, pretty. I liked it. It was pretty. We're on the road in a trap game. They made some pretty plays and they did what they had to do. And, and when the pressure, but it was on, an ugly, it was an ugly, it was game. an ugly, it was when the pressure was on, you know, yep. they, they hit, they hit round, they hit knockout punches, right? Whereas the Elks just, you know, the jab, 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 body shot, body shot, jab, jab, jab. Uh, it was like one of what's the Rocky movie where he plays possum. Is that is that the one against? Uh, mm. Is that the Autumn? one against? Oh no, uh, Mr. T. Mr. T. Yeah, you know he, he just keeps getting hit, 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 and then boom, just yeah. smoke, smoke the Elks when they and then uh, you know the uh, the game was over and and the Elks who are a type of game the game was yeah. was over for them too. So all, that's all my super second you. thought, buddy. Yeah, all good points by you and your game notes, Zach. Um, I really like uh, this comment from Scott Roger. Uh, Bombers confidence allows them to be patient when struggling and not force things, wait for the opportunities and then take advantage. Love it. They know yeah. they'll get chances. And you know, that that's part of being a veteran team. That's part of knowing, you know, confidence is knowing, right? Confidence is knowing what's going to happen or knowing yourself. The Bombers don't know what's going to happen, but they know themselves and they know what they can make happen. So that confidence is a huge, um, it's almost like a superpower for the Blue Bombers right now because they never feel out of the game. You never see, um, you never see the uh, the body language drop. You never see the, the that waiver. It's it's impressive. Um, 
This comment uh, touches on something I wanted to uh, point out in the game, Zach. Vicky Short saying, loved our karate kid Maruo's sack. Les Maruo, the global linebacker, of course. Yes. Getting lots of love from Japanese fans. Love the, uh, you know, the, what is it? What do they call that karate kick? The karate kid oh, kick. Yeah. The- Crane? Crane yes, kick? the crane. Yeah, and the crane kick. And, you know, very cool sack celebration. But, um what was very, very cool about that was not only was it the biggest sack as far as yards lost on the play with 12 in the game, it was also right there, another global player in Teadric Hansen. If there is a textbook definition of how to play globals in the CFL, you need those two young men and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers written underneath. It is unbelievable to see how impactful Winnipeg's global players are. Not just one yeah. guy, but a bunch of guys yeah. all the time. And, yeah. you know, like it started with Teadric Hansen putting Mike Daly on skates and blowing up Frankie Williams in the Grey Cup, <laughs> right? Uh, and, you know, it's most recently been capped by Les Maruo and uh, his crane kick celebration after sacking Taylor Cornelius. It's awesome to see. Um, and, and says a lot about the work the Blue Bombers do. You, you don't just fall backwards into finding talent in the global draft. They do their homework. They, they put it in, uh, and it, it's worked out really well for them. Let me, let me ask you one question, maybe folks in the chat, about a run game. I, I know that people are clamoring for <laughs> – you're putting it up right there, like perfect timing. They want Augustine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Augustine had, what, three carries in that game? Uh, O'Shea was saying from the beginning of the season, they're going to run it as a collective. I think we were all expecting maybe Augustine to break up this game because Brady had a tough game in Calgary. But Brady, by the end of the game, and maybe it's because they were beating them down in that zone run scheme, he did start to get going. He does get his pad level low. I'm not saying he's Andrew Harris, but it made me think that maybe something can get going, but my question is the O-line. So, so the center, Chris Kalinkowski, we, we've, we've talked a few times, Darren, about how he's been pretty good. You haven't seen a wild snap from him. He, he seems to be relatively invisible, which is exactly yeah. what you want. But I did see a couple run plays where Brady was looking for the zone behind Kalinkowski and Kalinkowski just got bulldozed back into him. And, I never thought of the center as a big part of the run game, but I'm curious about your thoughts or people in the chat, and maybe this is getting a little technical, but how big of a loss is it with with Couture out? I know our run game wasn't exactly popping off the page with Couture either, but how, how big a role does the center play in a run game? And if so, is that really holding Augustine and McCray and Brady back? I don't think so. I really, really don't. How important is the center to the run game? Extremely yeah. important. They're at the yeah. point of attack. They're, they're where the ball begins. Um, you know, outside of, of the calls they make at the line and the rest, I feel like the center is kind of the linchpin of the entire line. Uh, if you lose your block, if you lose contain in the middle of your line, you're going to have um, failure. You're going to have, you know, fails in your protection. So, but, but I don't think that's the problem. I really, really don't. I understand, 
you know, Oliveira and Augustine are, are getting met in the backfield, but I don't know if I can pin it on something. I think, oh, it's the play calling. They need to try this or that. We really don't know that, like you, you and I have talked about this before a lot, Zach, right? There, there's a lot going on in football games. And that's why these people, um, you know, that's why these staffs are so large. That's why they put in countless hours of work to try to find those little advantages. Uh, if Winnipeg could get the run game going, believe me, they would find a way to do it. But they're struggling right now. Uh, and I don't think it's talent. I don't think it's... Um, you know, one thing or the other. It's probably a combination of things and they just can't find that right mix. Um, the good news is they've got the best quarterback in the league. They have uh, very deep receiving as we're learning with all of these guys out of the lineup right now. And, um, you know, they've got a defense that uh, can really take over almost any game on any day. So yeah, the, yeah, the defense is again, it's, world, right? it's, it's nitpicking a little bit to be like, how come they're struggling with the run? You know, waiters saying in the chat right now that it's too predictable when they run. Sure, but good running teams still find a way to run it. Yeah, it's predictable because they're trying to establish it. Defenses know it's coming. However, you still dictate at the line of scrimmage and you you force your opponent. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think you're going to catch anybody off guard running the football. Uh, you know, like reverse play action sort of thing, right? Yeah, I, I get you. But uh, I think it was MRV who I've never seen in the chat. So welcome, MRV. Apologies if you've been here before or have a different name. But but saying, you know, how much are we missing Desjardins? I think we must be because that's, that's the variable here. He's gone. He's the one person who's gone. And and I I've I've seen on on some of the forums folks saying that Jeff Gray is I don't know what your thoughts are here uh, uh, Darren but that Jeff Gray is actually maybe more suited to be a tackle is that true I had never heard that before no okay because I thought maybe if Gray isn't feeling uh, natural in that guard position that maybe that could account but I, I don't know how good Jeff Gray is in the run game. We lost you, Darren. Well, look, I'm doing all these hand signals and talking with my hands. You guys can't even hear me. Uh, moving from guard to tackle is a step up in difficulty. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't get easier. It, I don't. I don't think you would find uh, any guard would say, "I can kick out to tackle, and it's 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 going to be you know less of a challenge." Like every position is a challenge. But I think a tackle moving to guard would probably be a little bit of a, you know, as far as like technique and not skill, but just like the technique of, of the position. I think moving from tackle to guard is probably a little bit more straightforward than moving from guard to tackle. You have to be very, very nimble to be a tackle. you got to stop Jagir Davis speed rushing you. You've got to stop uh, Shane Ray bull rushing you you've got to stop willie jefferson ripping you they're swimming you it's it's not easy so um I, I don't think a shuffle is the issue i don't think a shuffle is is what they're going to do um getting michael couture back it, it, sure it'll help of course yeah maybe with the way kolinkowski has played they they might 
switch things up a little bit and put Kolinkowski uh, at another spot. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not completely sold on. Um, you know, it, it it being specifically one thing or the other. It, it kind of does lead us to though, Zach, um, to to talk about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers injuries and coming out of that game. The the one um, that is most notable is the loss of Carlton Agadosi. Yeah, that 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 makes you sick watching that, eh? Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, his, his comments uh, on, on social media saying, you know, it's going to be a long road back and uh, the rest alluding to it being, um, you know, a little bit more long-term, uh, you know, I don't know if I saw eyes on him at, if I had eyes on him at practice, but um, yeah, they're, they're very likely going to be without him for a while. They do have some players coming back uh, from the injured list. I'm just pulling it up here. So uh, as of right now, Mike O'Shea was asked today for an update on Greg Ellingson, did not have one or did not want to divulge one. Um, but Jackson Jeffcoat uh, was not practicing today, but he's still very active on the field. I think that's probably more of a, you know, load management or vet day type thing. Stanley Bryant was another one uh, who took the day off today um, to kind of monitor things. Zach, while I pull up uh, the injury report here, because I failed to before the show, because I'm so prepared, uh, <laughs> tell me which Blue Bombers injury you think is the most concerning as far as their ability to go out and win football games. Well, it's it, I I saw that you posted that Ellingson didn't practice today, mm -hmm. and I hope that's just precautionary because we're not playing Edmonton next week. We're playing Calgary. Mm -hmm. and you, coming off you a saw <laughs> coming off a bye, I believe Calgary's record coming off a bye is exceptional and which you would, you would expect with, with people like uh, Dave Dickinson and, 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 uh, and Huffnagel. But Absolutely. if, if we don't have Ellingson next week, that would concern the heck out of me. Although of course we hear today that they've had some uh, some virus issues or pneumonia and possibly COVID there, so it could all even out in the wash. But I also I think we're really missing Dembski. I think he really, as you've called him, the Canadian Swiss Army now with the Canadian Army knife. You know he really stretches out defenses and makes them think because he can throw anything at you. He can run up the gut. He can do the sweep. He can beat you deep. And he can run over the middle like a slant or or, yeah. or just a, a you know a short curl. So Calgary, you know, I'm seeing waiters here. Cal Calgary's going to be Calgary's going to be hungry, and if they don't have El Ellingson, that really concerns me. Jeff Coat, I think they can survive without. I I thought Wilcots and LB Mack played reasonably well. Yeah, and they did a lot of different things too, like. Did you notice Shane Gauthier was the middle linebacker on the yes. first defensive play of the game? Yes, and he had a big stuff on uh, who was the running back uh, for Edmonton. I forget, but yeah, oh, it he, was um, he had him in 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 the backfield. Yeah, Irons, Malik Irons, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> Waiters, right? Once again, Calgary wants revenge. Like they hate losing to the Blue Bombers. 
just my gut telling me that. Um, but when it, when it comes to Winnipeg's injury report, uh, Jeff Gray did not practice today due to a thorax injury. Start Googling now. Uh, I know I had to. Um, Stanley Bryant took a veteran day. Here's the thing. I was talking about this at practice today. Stanley Bryant practiced every day and played every game for season after season after season until his Ironman streak, the Cal Ripken of Canadian football, uh, his streak ended last season where they, you know, he wasn't terribly hurt, but things were wrapped up. They didn't need to play him. So they gave him a, a nice rest before the postseason. Um, he's now taking a lot of veteran days uh, throughout the practice week. Same with Pat Newfeld. He's listed as a hip, but did not practice today. He's been taking some veteran days throughout the season. Johnny Augustine has an ankle injury, Zach. Uh, he did not practice today. Mike Miller, another one of those veterans uh, taking time. As we mentioned, no Greg Ellingson at practice today. Obviously, Carlton Agadosi has not been placed on the six-game injured list yet, but I'm also curious if where his salary is as a, like I understand he was on the practice roster last year, but he's a rookie. So maybe the move to the sixth game is not something they need to do. If maybe he can come back in four or five weeks, we, we don't know. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, Ricky Walker, both uh, uh, on the injury report, uh, but both were at practice today. Jeffcoat did not participate, but running around quite a bit. Ricky Walker there um, as the healthy scratch needs to be on on the injury report. That's just the way it is. As far as the guys on the six game, Kyrie Wilson is in a walking boot, uh, unlikely to return anytime soon. Same with Drew Richmond, the offensive lineman, uh, Brendan O'Leary, orange, uh, Noah Hallett, Nick Dembski, Michael Couture, all still not practicing. Same with the one player I get asked about more often than any Zach. Can you guess who it is? I cannot. Ooh, D Dietrich Nichols, your boy, Dietrich Nichols. No, 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 no. When it, when it comes to coming back from injury. Oh, it's BA, Brandon Alexander. BA, of course. Everybody is curious what's happening with him. Still yeah. not practicing. There's, they're not rushing him. They don't need to rush him. No, uh, they don't. So I think it's smart to just let it happen and, and let it come back when he can. He's working his tail off. I, I do know that. Um, Jesse Briggs is back practicing. He's likely to return either this week or next week. And that'll be a boost to special teams. That'll be a boost to the defense uh, as well. That especially following the injury to Kyrie Wilson uh, helps a lot to have uh, another veteran there. Uh, Couture, maybe a few more weeks uh, after breaking his arm. Um, the one that is ready to come back is maybe not the position they need, but it is a position that will help. And that is that short yardage quarterback to go to Prukop running mm -hmm. things at full speed at practice today. It was a padded practice for the most part for the bombers. You know, they're only allowed 12 throughout the season. Uh, they, they worked them out hard and then they sent them home, uh, gave them a rest for the rest of today uh, being Tuesday, but seeing Dakota Prukop out there running, you're just like, wow, this guy can move. Like he is not just, you know, uh, a short yardage quarterback, like, you know, Calgary's got that six foot five guy, whatever his name is. Um, Tommy Stevens, right? Tommy uh, Stevens. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. All respect to Tommy Stevens name escaped me, but he, he's a huge, huge man and yeah. nice and short yardage. Dakota Prukop has speed and has some power yeah. and uh, yeah. he can really make some guys miss. 
So uh, and I maybe he be... opens up the run game too, Darren. Right? He like very well could. Second and short, third and short. Maybe he may, he he keeps that Calgary D line and linebacking core guessing, and we know he can run. So maybe he that's opens. Cool. Like I think that's a. I think Prukop is a big big addition to the short yardage. Like Drew Brown is filled in okay, right? But uh, I I think it's big 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 to have Prukop back. Absolutely. Um, Zach, should we predict our or pick our game of the week before we uh, get into our one third right. of the season power rankings? So okay. the upcoming schedule uh, is, oh, and I just had it here and now I lost it. So upcoming schedule for week eight, Montreal in Hamilton, BC in Regina, Winnipeg in Calgary, and then the Argos are hosting the winless Ottawa Red Blacks. Game of the week, I think it's a no-brainer. I think even even we can predict this one, Darren. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, the the Bombers and, and Stamps is is important for a couple of reasons. One, they're they're the two best teams, I think, teasing my power rankings. They're the, they're the best team in the West. You have Winnipeg at seven and zero, oh and and Calgary at four and one. So if Winnipeg wins this game, which most people won't predict, I bet. I'm just waiting for CFL.ca writers to uh, to predict the like you know nine out of ten that the Bombers lose, and 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 that's great. That'll that'll uh, that'll probably get them frothing at the mouth. But if Winnipeg beats Calgary, not only I believe they only play each other three times. Is that right? So I think they then Winnipeg and Calgary. Yes. Yeah. So then, then they win the season series, and then they go up four games on the stamps. So it's really a four, or you know, can you even call it a six-point game? Like it's a massive game in the standings. If well, yeah. Calgary wins, they're only two games back, and they're back in the race for first place. You do not want the but like if you're Calgary. And, and I don't see any other team catching the Bombers at this point. You've got Saskatchewan at four and three who are falling apart. You've got the Lions. They're four and one, but but we we stomped them pretty well. I I know they play us a couple times at the end of the year. I, I'm not as concerned about the Lions overtaking are, us for first. Are you talking power rankings right now? Or are you talking? No, matchup? no, no, I'm not. I, okay. I'm well, just talking about standings here. This okay. is a huge game of the week because of the Western Division standings. That sure. if they beat the Calgary Stampeders, they win the season series and they put themselves in, in a massive drive to have first place in the West locked up, potentially a couple games after Labor Day. So yep. I just think from that standpoint, now I get the, the Stamps are going to really, really uh, be wanting some revenge here, but but it sounds like they may have some serious illness in that locker room with some key guys missing, and including Kadeem right. Carey. So uh, Jameer Thurman, I believe, was one of their middle linebackers. So it should be interesting with the with the with the Bombers potentially limping in, and and, and Calgary potentially being ravaged by by illness. It, it, but for me, that's the the, the hands down uh, game of the week. Yeah, yeah, no no argument from me there. I'm just going to pull up the uh, lines from sportsinteraction. 
sia.com. So be sure to check out, I'll just put it up here so people are reminded, sia.com slash bonfire. Sign up there, get a great bonus uh, and help support us here at Bonfire Sports. Big shout out to uh, Sports Interaction for that. Um, Montreal at Hamilton, uh, to me, is an intriguing game. Just for this number right here, they are a three-point favorite. A team with one win this season, a three-point favorite at home against Montreal. Uh, I think Hamilton is ready to turn the corner. I think they've shaken off whatever has been ailing them uh, through this season. That'll be an interesting game. This one, to me, is is very fascinating. BC is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Saskatchewan. So they're not giving BC a ton of... um, a ton of love, but they also know that people like betting on the Rough Riders. And after having the game that they did, right, uh, I think Saskatchewan fans are going to be ready to put their money down uh, on another home game. So maybe there's some value there for, for people to look at. No doubt the Bombers and Stamps are the game of the week. No point spread right now. They pulled it this afternoon. Uh, you can still bet um, uh, the over-under and, and that sort of thing. Um, but on Sports Interaction, no line as of right now. I think Winnipeg was, here, let's find out. Uh, Winnipeg was a uh, one-point favorite uh, yesterday. So, you know, and it's since dropped back down to uh, to a push because I don't think they know what is exactly going to happen. Um, however, uh, with, uh, with Calgary, uh, one player has pneumonia, which is scary. Like pneumonia can kill people. So yeah. can COVID, right? Yeah. But pneumonia is one that, you know, it's not like, uh, it's been around a long time is what I'm saying. And, and you, you, you want to be careful uh, of that, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how many of those players, like if it's actually going to stop, at the handful of players, one with pneumonia, several others uh, that are are on the injury report with illness right now, uh, or if it's going to continue to spread. I sure hope things are able to be contained, more negative tests come through, and we're able to play a football game in Calgary on Saturday. Well, and actually, not the game of the week, but for me, the second most intriguing game is, is the Lions versus... Saskatchewan. I mean, that has standings implications. I'm seeing some funny comments here on the chat. You know, Tamara saying she can't cheer for the Riders, but other people are saying they'd like to see the the Riders beat the Lions because the Lions are maybe the the biggest threat behind Calgary to Winnipeg. But I do. You've talked a lot about Jason Shivers and that and that uh, Saskatchewan defense. Most most turnovers in the league, most interceptions. They. A, that defense is coming and it will be interesting to see what they throw at Rourke. They're, they're at home. Mm-hmm. So I think that one and a half point spread for the lions is an interesting one. I wouldn't be surprised. And, and who knows who's playing quarterback too. I don't expect Fajardo to play. He was taking first team reps Pro- today. He was. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so the lions are still favored by a point and a half. Yeah. It's that's it's, an inter- it's actually I, I would really uh, I think it there's was value there who says uh, I'm throw some money on on sports interaction for my beer fund. Um, I think I could boost my beer fund because I I'm interested in that one. 
minus one and a half for the Lions on the road against the Cody Fajardo-led team. I uh, That's intriguing to me. I don't know what the chat people think, but... Well, interesting question from uh, Tamara, who's watching live on YouTube. What's going on, Tamara? Thanks for joining us. Uh, are the Riders still suffering through COVID? We know a bunch of their players missed last week. I'm just pulling up the, the most recent injury report from today i don't know if there is one from today how about that well let's take a look oh maybe okay yeah no they, they have updated it today i see I've, I've zoomed in my screen so much so i can kind of pull it up for everybody <laughs> um but uh yeah so as of right now no james moore manny ragamba are the only two listed with illness as uh, their issue. So, um, uh, but, um, pardon me, that's the Lions. So there's something going through the Lions as well. Uh, Okay, yeah, the Riders are still really suffering from COVID. Uh, Albert Awachi, Logan Bandy, uh, Charbel Dabry, uh, all with illness. Cody Fajardo uh, is illness and knee, but he practiced fully today. Uh, So I imagine he is pretty far along uh, in his, you know, string of negative COVID tests as part of the CFL's COVID protocol. Uh, Frankie Hickson, uh, their tailback, um, who had a really good game last week, um, did not practice today. He has illness. So it, it looks like, you know, if guys that played last week are now out this week with illness, you don't, we don't know if it's COVID, you know, they could have a stomach bug, they could have food poisoning. It could be a, a variety of things. Uh, Nick Marshall back after missing the last game. Uh, Justin McInnes as well. Um, but yeah, their, their injury list is, is still quite long. Of course, you can find that on cfl.ca. Uh, um, you know, I, there's value there. I, I think with, with BC being a one and a half point favorite, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't hesitate and, and maybe try to grab it before, uh, try to grab it before it, it disappears. A lot of people, I've uh, just just one note before we get to our power rankings. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of people talk about the Riders crossing over and then playing at home in the Grey Cup against us and beating them, and how sweet that would be. And would the Bombers get the Riders' home locker room as the West representative in the Grey Cup, Darren? I think they would, which would yeah. be doubly hilarious. Yeah. So I just want to say that because I thought that was a funny. Funny well, little thread on, on Twitter I saw. Th- this is my thought on that, though. So let's say the unlikely happens. And I say unlikely because everything's got to kind of fall in, in, in the stars have to align perfectly. Saskatchewan crosses over to the East, wins the East. They're the East representative in the Grey Cup. The Bombers win the West and, and are the West representative in the Grey Cup. And Winnipeg would have the home locker room at the host city. I think especially because it's not like Ivor Wynn or McMahon because it's a brand new facility. And it's, it's frankly for people that haven't been inside mosaic, the inside is beautiful. Like everything is polished and finished and carpeted. It's really impressive. Um, you know, under, you know, underneath, I think Winnipeg would be like, look, take your locker room. We don't want your locker room. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe it would be a great, psychological game to play 
Um, but I, I think Winnipeg would just be like, you know, all your stuff's there, whatever. Go, go for it. This is a road uh, game for us. I we think don't actually you're right. I, I think they wouldn't want to give them any other any cannon fodder. They would just be like, yeah, yeah, take your locker room. We're still going to kick your ass. <laughs> and Dylan Spicer, <laughs> interesting <laughs> comment here. Uh, they didn't take the home room in Calgary in 2019 because they didn't want it. I think they like the away locker room. So well, it's more like think about it. It's more like any other time they play in Calgary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It w- it would be weird being in another team's like home locker Maybe. room. A little bit. I think, I think like you got their funny. logo. <laughs> like, what do you put rugs on the logo? Like, what do you do? <laughs> Dentures. I don't know. <laughs> I mean. I bought some rugs at Costco today, so maybe if they oh, need them, for I, you. I can I can lend them a couple. But um, you know, bomber stamps this week, Zach, it w- will be a fascinating one, and to no surprise, as we've now uh, <laughs> seen a third of the season. Um, what are you laughing at? Uh, well, waiters, waiters has made a couple interesting comments about my relationship with Mrs. Big Hill, and uh, we were sitting beside each other in our spin class, but. Uh, I, I don't know that uh, that I'll be sitting beside her at the Grey Cup. I, I I'd have to be invited. I'd be very surprised. Oh, Rob Rob Mahoney wants he wants to see the rugs. He wants he's interested in your home decor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have them out yet. I, I wish I could. Maybe one day I wouldn't I'll do put like them out because because your shirt got rocked last week and now people are going to take shots at your rugs. Well, like is this Argos blue or what? Did the Argos uh, used to wear gray? A little gray with the with the blue? I don't know. I know the Stampeders did. I saw well, a throwback game on like an ESPN classic the other day, and it was like the stamps with the gray pants. Oh, I hated gray, when everyone wore gray, gray and red striping. Oh man. I kind of liked it. I think it's a, it's a good look. You don't see that uh, too much uh, anymore. Uh, as far as the, uh, the, you know, we, we mentioned uh, who practiced and who didn't today for the blue bombers uh, should mention that the players who are out today in Calgary due to illness, one of them, according to head coach Dave Dickinson, has pneumonia. The others or several players have COVID. So um, just amongst those that were out with illness today includes starting left tackle Derek Dennis, yeah. uh, linebacker, and uh, the player whose name we talked a lot about two weeks ago, but maybe not for a good reason, Charlie Moore. He's the one who took the roughing the kicker penalty <laughs> yes, uh, that really flipped the score uh, in that game. Um, Tommy Stevens, uh, aforementioned, uh, Tommy Stevens, their big body, the uh, infamous Tommy Stevens. Yeah. Oh man. And then, uh, Jameer Thurman, uh, they're starting weak side, I believe linebacker, uh, also out due to illness today. So they've got a handful of guys they're They're still dealing with, um, Cameron judge was limited today due to a hamstring glute issue. Uh, Kadeem Carey forgot Kadeem Carey. He is out with illness today. So obviously we hope these individuals recover quickly uh, if COVID or pneumonia is, uh, is plaguing them right now. Uh, pardon the descriptor. Uh, but uh, I, I really just hope that, you know, this season, last season, the CFL was lucky. They were fortunate. They only had to reschedule one game. The Grey Cup went off. The playoffs went off and the Grey Cup went off without a hitch. Everybody got COVID after the Grey Cup understandably people are partying and maybe being a little bit more loose with things, but they got everything in and, you know, for a league that doesn't have a lot of luck sometimes, Zach, it it was good to see. I sure hope 2022 that we're in right now doesn't get derailed because of something like that. Um, Let's get into the power rankings. People have been waiting for them. 
where do you have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in your power ranking sack? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, that ugly that ugly win at Edmonton, I, I think that six and oh, seven and oh is a little bit of a suspect, you know, right? suspect they've been lucky boris Beatty missed the uh, point after no they're number one for goodness sakes you can't not be number one with a seven and oh perfect record they've done it in different ways but like i said they win in different ways and that's resilient right who knows how they're gonna win next week if they win it could be special teams it could be the offense. It could be, heck, it could be the running game, especially if Jameer Thurman is out there, middle linebacker. And you got Prukop. Maybe they dial something up with Prukop. So I've been impressed with the Bombers. I don't believe in winning lucky. I think you deserve every win you get, unless it's against the Bombers. No, I'm just kidding. No, they're, they're, they're number one, Darren. They, 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 they have a point differential plus 66. They've allowed seven touchdowns in seven games. Still haven't allowed a rushing touchdown, despite the fact that they only have one of three starters in their linebacking core with mm-hmm. Mastin out and Kyrie Wilson out. Like, like it's insane. They, they may be a band but break defense, but they've allowed the least touchdowns. It's it's just uh it's an elite, elite defense. They're solid on special teams. And the offense, you know, is up and down, but you have the best player in the game in Kolaris. So they're, for me, they're number one, Darren. And I assume they are for you too. I, I love how you took your time to uh, form your argument. Uh, I don't think anybody in the CFL uh, or in Canada or anybody that watches or follows the league would rationally argue otherwise. The Blue Bombers are the best team in the country as we are today, one-third into the season. Are there teams that could push them? Absolutely. This weekend, this weekend could be interesting. We could see a much uh, more potent Calgary Stampeders offense. Uh, They had five, six drops in Winnipeg two weeks ago. Uh, I think Calgary could give them a run. I think BC has the potential to get better every week as the season goes on. They're a young team. They're a relatively new team as far as their head coach and a lot of their players and playing together. We all know about uh, Nathan Rourke being in his his second year and first year as a starter and the rest. Um, but I was going to give my power rankings in reverse order, but oh. I will give them. I, I want to hear your power rankings from top to bottom right okay. now. Zach. No okay, argument. Right now. Just, lay, just lay it down on me. <laughs> And by the way, better late than never, Sandy. I'm glad you're here. You know what? I, I, I This may sound lazy, but I, I actually have them the exact same as CFL.ca because I did my power rankings, then I looked at theirs, and, and they were the same. So I can't say I've ever looked at theirs. <laughs> I mean, not ever. Today. I haven't Growing looked at shade today. at CFL.ca. I, <laughs> I guess I've ever looked at those ones. Those are all my friends, and I love I know how... They are. Uh, Christina Constable is now yes. a female voice in the power Good, rankings. Right? Um, yeah, she's awesome. Good friend of mine. Uh, we did some work together last year, and yeah, she's That's just right. And, you did. And very, you very did. knowledgeable football uh, mind as well. Uh, I don't even know where they would. Where would I find them on their website? Oh, it was one of the articles. Well, I guess you'll today. tell me. You'll tell me, right? Yeah, I'll tell you exactly because what you they have are. the exact same as them. I, I have the same. I have the same. I I really I really uh, rested on records here. I I thought your record is the record says what you are. So, uh, 
you know, I've got Winnipeg at number one. I've got Calgary at number two. Even though they have the same record as BC, and BC does have a higher point differential, uh, plus 72 versus plus 49, uh, you had those players in the, in the early going against Toronto and Edmonton. Edmonton was just a disaster that first game. So I think that's maybe inflated. You've seen them maybe come back to earth a little bit, Darren. They've got that that second-year quarterback. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, between the two of them, I mean, I'd love to see the two of those teams play. I do have Toronto fourth. As much as they seem to try and bumble away wins, <laughs> you know, very easily could have beat us. I do believe they have the talent. They have the horses, and including Andrew Harris, Curly Gittens, this Cam Phillips guy is, is playing mm-hmm. well. Devaris Daniels, they've got they've got good receivers, and and MBT, uh, the law firm had a, had another good game, throwing for over three hundred yards. So I I think that they are a very solid team, and I think they'll be in the mix at the end uh, in the East Division final. So I've got Toronto at four, I have Saskatchewan at five. Even though I think Toronto's point differential is minus 25. I don't think anybody in the East has a positive one. But mm-hmm. that again, that's the inflated one because of the BC loss. Sure. Saskatchewan, I have at five. Uh, you know, I'd love to put them at nine, but I can't uh, I can't be that much of a biased Bombers fan. Then I've got Montreal. Even though, you know, they've been inconsistent. You know, they have a David Cote... Uh, unlucky missed field goal from being higher up there. And then I've got Edmonton, and I only have Edmonton again uh, ahead of Hamilton because they beat Hamilton, even though Hamilton basically gave that game away. You know, a win's a win, right? So I've got Edmonton, even though they have a minus differential of 113. They are finding ways of winning games, and and I think uh, Taylor Cornelius is, is playing better. So I've got Hamilton at eight, but like you, I expect them to come back and then Ottawa, you know, your own six. So you're, you're, you're at the bottom. I'm sorry. I don't care what could have happened or would have happened or should have happened. You're at the bottom for me. So that's so, my power rankings, my friend. Okay. So you said you really went by schedule. Um, no, but or, record. Or re- sorry, record. Re- yeah, record. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing there. There's this, there's the, the standings, East Division, West Division standings, league standings, right? Points, two for a win, zero for a loss, one for a tie, right? That's there all the time and gives you a current picture of where things stand. Power rankings, to me, it's different to everybody, but power yeah. rankings, to me, are how powerful are these teams if they could all play each other all at the same time today? Neutral field today. Where's the power in the CFL. So I'm going to rank some teams a lot higher than their record. And I'm going to rank some teams a lot lower than their record may indicate. So are you ready? I'm going to shock I'm ready. Some can I, can I guess that Hamilton's going to be much higher than me than where I put Hamilton? Yeah. So you got, we're going to take shots at you on the chat. Top to bottom. <laughs> you have Winnipeg, Calgary, Zach, your power rankings are Winnipeg, Calgary, BC, yeah. Toronto, Saskatchewan, Montreal, Edmonton, Hamilton, Ottawa. Okay. Uh, I have Winnipeg at number one. We don't need to get into why. I have Calgary at number two. I think they're just as good a football team as Winnipeg. I really, really do. Look out. They're going to play two more times this season. They're probably going to meet in the playoffs in one way, shape, or form. Uh, 
I have the Hamilton Tiger Cats at number three. I think they are a better team today than they have been in the past. You take away the boneheaded giveaways and fumbles and interceptions and, and turnovers, their record would not be what it is today. I have Hamilton at number three. I have BC at number four. Uh, and they like, just lost to BC. That was like four weeks ago. No, and they no, lost Hamilton by two. Just lost, Hamilton just lost to BC this week. Yeah, again. 12. Again. What do you mean? Last week? Yeah. Yeah, in BC. Yeah. Right. They lost. Yes. I get oh, it. I love it. The chat is coming down on you, Darren. Good. But so, I, but I love, I, hang I love, on. I you, love you're just going to chirp here. me. You're, you're going to chirp me and, and then not let me <laughs> BC okay, beat ahead, Hamilton, BC beat Hamilton by five. But when you think of the BC lions, what do you think of? Do you think of a good defense or do you think of an explosive offense? Everybody sees the BC lions as a team that can score 40, 50 points on you as they've done against Edmonton and Toronto this season right? They have looked weak on defense against Winnipeg. They looked weaker on offense against Hamilton. They are not a perfect team. They are a young team. And that's why I understand Hamilton lost in Vancouver just the other day, but I have Hamilton a squeak ahead of them in my power rankings. You want to look at the, uh, at the CFL standings, go look at the CFL standings. Um, I have the Toronto Argonauts at number five. Uh, I have the. You mean number four? Are you at four? No, I got Winnipeg, Calgary, Hamilton, BC. Okay. Then I'm going Toronto. Yeah. I'm going Toronto. Then I'm putting Saskatchewan a squeak ahead of Edmonton then Montreal, then Ottawa. Those are my power rankings. The reason I, I gave Saskatchewan a bit of a heads up uh, on Edmonton is because they have gone through, you know, COVID this past week, uh, a lot of shenanigans on and off the field, uh, a lot of distraction. Um, I think their core uh, talent and their core coaching is better than Edmonton's is right now. But Edmonton is my dark horse to start making moves. They played well against Winnipeg last week. Taylor Cornelius is what their third or fourth starting quarterback. Um, they will get better. And I think Taylor Cornelius, when given more opportunity, will clean up what plagued him last season. And that was late interceptions. Interceptions and especially late in games. It really, really hurt them. Um, but I'm giving Saskatchewan a squeak ahead of them right now. Uh, when it comes to Montreal, Ottawa, I mean, I get it. Montreal won in Ottawa, but that might be the only reason I have them ahead of the Ottawa Red Blacks right now. These are power rankings. If they played on a neutral field today, this is how I see it shaken down. I, I, it's bold, but I, uh, now, I, I now, get some I, of your logic. Now, should I look into the, uh, the live chat? Cause I've, I've kind of been ignoring it while I was talking. 
Well, some people were saying you were smoking the green stuff. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't sure. Too bad, Fritchie right? says I'm a Hamilton apologist. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know yeah. what, what, Darren? Is, what, though... is Darren, what is Darren smoking? Okay. Yeah. yeah I'll take that yeah. reason. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Jeff says you should check my water. Uh, something but... in that cup. Yep. Flask and a bong. But listen, that you've been consistently saying Hamilton is going to turn it around, that they're a better team than their record indicates. So I'll give you the consistency award, Darren. And and I like the boldness because, listen, if they come uh, if they come to the fore go, going ahead here, you will look like an absolute genius. Not that they're, you don't look like a genius already. They're going but... to turn it around. They're going to turn it around. I mean – I would almost be comfortable putting, um, well, yeah, I had Toronto at five, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Toronto's right there too. Uh, sorry. Toronto is very close to falling into the back. I, I know they, they lead the East division right now. You look at how they've won football games this year. Uh, they've been bit by kicks in somehow being gifted a win against the Montreal Alouettes. They've been bit by a missed convert and not being able to go to overtime against the best team in the league in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They've shown good. They've shown bad. Their only identity right now is Andrew Harris. Like McLeod Bethel-Thompson, he's thrown for yards. I think he only trails, you know, he's right behind Doug Flutie in all-time passing yards in Argos history. He's slowly creeped up to that. Um, but I mean, Toronto's got a lot of talented players. I just don't know if they can put it all together. Their coach, to me, uh, in Ryan Dinwiddie, is, is like based on his decision making uh, and strategy and game management this past week. Um, if 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 they get more of that through the second third of the season here and into the 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 final third of the season, they could easily find themselves at the bottom of the East Division. I don't know if. Ottawa is going to be able to like really fire it up without Jeremiah Masoli. Um, but Hamilton is going to be better. Montreal sure should be better. Um, but, but they're just not a good football club right now. Uh, the power is all in the West. I think people don't sleep on Edmonton. They're going to be a better football team. Uh, Saskatchewan is going to go one of two directions. It is diving right now, but they could easily turn it around. I have utmost respect for their two coordinators, love them or hate them. Jason Moss at OC and Jason Shivers at defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest Cody Fajardo guy, but uh, they've got, they got a pretty good football club there. Well, and, and if, if the, you know, people don't forget Shaq Evans and, and Kyron Moore have been out. Right. So mm -hmm. that is a big chunk of your offense. It really, they only throw deep to, to Duke Williams. And then they throw a lot of short stuff uh, to try and, to try and get the offense going. I would be very interested to see how the Saskatchewan and Edmonton games go. I even marked them down when we were talking about power rankings when uh, when I was looking it up. So they play they played once Sask uh, Saskatchewan won by ten, but they play August thirteenth and September sixteenth. So pretty close together. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Edmonton you know gives them a good game in both, and if they win both. It really puts Saskatchewan down in fourth place in terms of crossover territory. And I think that that Edmonton defense, they gave us some problems, Darren. I, you know, mm -hmm. 
they are probably going to start gelling, although really not sure about Duran Carter at safety. But uh, what do I know about football? Uh, Chris Jones apparently knows more than I do. That defense is scary. I mean, it's not about, it's the collective, right? Like their scheme and then the way they play uh, is effective. Um, ask Zach Kolaris, ask the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They, they had their hands full uh, last week. Uh, in two weeks, Zach, Saturday, August 6th, the Ticats are in Toronto to face the Argos. If you disagree with me that Hamilton is not a better team than Toronto, wait for that game on August 6th. Check back in on Tuesday night, the day before the game, or in our post-game show. Jump into the live chat. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, or do this. 816-TIPS. <laughs> 816-8477-HIT the bonfire hotline. Call, leave a voicemail, chirp me off. I love it. Uh, keeps me entertained uh, in the down uh, hours. Or uh, send a text. Uh, I always text back. So uh, be sure to, unless you're absolutely incoherent which does happen sometimes, <laughs> but uh, I have a lot of fun with the, uh, with the bonfire hotline, 816-8477 with that familiar 204 area code. What does that leave us with Zach? Well, we, we, we're almost done here, Darren. We have to do a Whoa. quick, up, we have to do Go a ahead. quick update on our, uh, our pick and, and fantasy leagues. And uh, then, then I have some very sad news about my trip to calgary next week oh not yes. actual sad news but kind of sad news but to, yep. I'll, I'll just do a quick update if that's okay on the pick em. we do still it. have uh ted lee two ted lee at fur in first by 700 points and it's those streak points that really put you ahead and pick them so if you win a bunch of times in a row then they just pile on the streak points he's got eight now 800, sorry, and he, he, he's fifth in the entire universe in the CFL Pick'em League. He's he's now won the last seven, uh, eight of his of his picks, so he's he's killing it. Yes. And then in uh, fantasy football, we have NJLAF705 still in first. He didn't have a huge week last week, but he's he's got 722 points. Look who's uh, in second. I know it. Ted, it's Ted Lee. Lee is yeah. right there. So I mean, on aggregate, he's uh, he's our champ. But uh, I'm way down. Impressive. I'm in the four hundreds. I'm in the four hundreds. Yeah, it's, it's bad news. It's bad it's for bad you, news. buddy. Yeah, um, <laughs> I missed a couple weeks, or my roster didn't <laughs> finalize. But uh, either way, I have made some pretty bad picks this year. Not the best uh, CFL fantasy player but having a lot of fun uh doing this here uh, on bonfire it Sports. is fun and we exactly. will have prizes for the winners of course yes yes they're, they're in your your little man cave there right now aren't they <laughs> yes they Those are prizes yeah well and i also like i also the, the this canada drives contest that people are know about on cfl.ca i was one of the winners Congrats. Probably the person that that needs it the least with all my bomber swag, but $500 <laughs> to the bomber store. I will be uh, picking up my my wonderful mother-in-law uh, in a away jersey. She wants an away jersey, and it's going to have mother-in-law on the back. I just gave it away, but she kind of knows what I'm going to do, and then and then I'm going to get someone else a, a, a jersey, I think. I mean, those jerseys aren't cheap. That'll probably eat up the 500 If I have any left, I'm going to get some more of those uh those mugs from the sports vault that I love that they're going to get back in the, uh, in the bomber store. But uh, yes, 
Next week, I am in Calgary. I am going to be present in the same city as the Bombers, but I can't go to the game because it's my brother-in-law's wedding. So, mm. alas, I... I well, your brother-in-law, uh, I will... is, he, is he marrying your sister again? Or how does that work? <laughs> I'm not even going to try and come back on that because I just love that... Uh... <laughs> I just love that shot you just took. Wait a your bro- your brother in law's wedding. How My does that work? Wedding. I honestly, when you t- when you told me that the other day, I honestly, I, I sat there dumbfounded. I'm like, wait a second. Yep. Oh, okay. Oh, I get. Yes. Okay, I get it. Okay. Yeah, so brother in law is marrying a <laughs> lovely lady from Alberta. They are having a wedding in Calgary. Now, I, I think I was just confused because, like, if it was my family. There yeah. probably wouldn't be like, you know, go like, we're, we're, I don't know. My family probably wouldn't be like, oh yeah, we'll go to the in-laws. We're like, we're not that close. I don't really right. have any. Do I have right. any? Yeah, I got, in, I got in-laws in Toronto. Oh, there you go. That's a nice yeah. place to visit. Yeah, but, so, but, they, so, but they don't follow the CFL, so we don't talk. But the night of the wedding is the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, I agree. I, I got you there. The night of the wedding is the Sunday, so I could go, but it's rehearsal dinner and my daughter's the flower girl and... I, I was just sort of told in not so subtle ways by the family that it wouldn't go over well. And, mm. you know, I uh, there will be many more years of away games that I can go to. Maybe I could take my kids and um, I have to live with this family for the rest of my life. So oh, I don't know, man. It's it's so sad to be so close yet so far away. But um, well, it's, it's going to be a anyway. special game, right? Like, yeah, one of the, the great games, the great matchups uh, in the CFL this season between the two best teams in the league uh, right now. Uh, do have to mention before we sign off, Zach, kind of big yes, news sir. in the National Football League today. The Jets of New York have signed Chris Streveler. Uh, as one of their quarterbacks. So uh, yes. his fourth team now, he's played with the Arizona Cardinals. He was on Baltimore's practice roster last season, then released, yep. joined the Miami Dolphins and their off-season roster. So never suited up for them, but I think he did some you know, voluntary workouts, that sort of thing. Uh, released, now a member of the New York Jets. Uh, people were asking about it uh weeks ago like is Chris Streveler going to come back to Canada does this mean he's going to be back in the CFL soon now that Miami has cut him I really felt oh how about that I think this is Transcona Pauly he's calling uh calling the bonfire hotline right now as he said he would in in the live chat can't answer right now kind of busy but uh as I speculated uh several weeks ago Zach um Chris Streveler getting another opportunity quarterbacks continue to get opportunities in the National Football League And the reality is the same way we've seen growth and progression and innovation in the CFL to much more passing as of late, uh, where there was, I think, a little bit more running for a phase. I don't know how long, last 10 years, whatever. It's it's moving to a lot more pass heavy again. Uh, The NFL, similar to the Wildcat era, is starting to use quarterbacks in different capacities. So somebody like Chris Streveler, who you could put on special teams, Go, go hit somebody. 17, go hit somebody. And he'll do it, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever number he's wearing. I know he was 15 in Arizona. Was he 17 in Winnipeg? Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. We're, we're yeah. Harry Jones number. But, I'd, uh, like to see, I'd, I'd like to see him be successful in the NFL. Absolutely. I think, I absolutely. Think he could he's be. an amazing athlete. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the fur coat isn't coming out uh, in Winnipeg, uh, unlikely this winter anyway, but uh, we'll see, you know, he's close to getting uh, NFL pension uh, and he's close to, um, you know, uh, probably securing, he's made about a million dollars in salary in the yeah. National Football League. Yeah. Uh, at what point do you say, okay, like, I think he's got two master's degrees, doesn't he? Yeah, like, something like that. a guy that. that needs football, but no. I, I sure know he loves to play. Yeah. No, someone was saying the winner of the uh, just back to the Pickham and bon, mm-hmm. uh, Bonfire Fantasy League would get a signed photo of me. I mean, absolutely, I, I'd be happy to yeah. sign a photo of me. Uh, Better you than me, man. Otherwise, <laughs> or both of us. Nope. <laughs> no. Unless so, we do like, yeah. unless we do like what the the Winnipeg Jets uh, Twitter like social media team did, and they did like. Their two first round picks, Rutger McGrory and uh, um, uh, Brad Brad Lambert, yes, as like stepbrothers, like the stepbrothers movie. <laughs> like they photoshopped their faces onto the two stepbrothers, like Will Ferrell and yeah, uh, yeah, it was good. I, I like that. But that's the only way you and I would do a, a combo photo. I think I. that'd be fun. I'd have okay, to grow right? the beard out again, but uh... yeah, yeah, you do look like a different person. Really well, do. I do. Someone in eighth grade, maybe. But um, anyway, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I don't know that I'll be on the post game because I'll be at the rehearsal dinner. I won't be able to watch the game. If, yeah. if you're desperate, I don't know the Wi-Fi in the in the house we're going to be at. But uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll have a stand in. And if not, uh, we'll somehow figure it out. I'll bring my microphone and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll be a game time decision. Yeah, no, you, like I told you yesterday, I'll tell it in front of everybody. You go enjoy your family, enjoy a special time uh, at the wedding. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not going anywhere, Zach. You'll be back. Uh, I know, I know, but I just want to be at the goddamn game. Poor oh, I know. me and my loving yeah. family, as uh, <laughs> Comet said it. You know, poor Zach. Poor Zach. Yeah, no <laughs> well, it's going to be a real fun game uh, on Saturday. Fingers crossed it, it does go down, of course, with pneumonia and uh, COVID. Uh, reportedly or apparently going through uh, the locker room with the Stampeders. Uh, But uh, very interesting slate of inside division games in the CFL this week. Chris Walby will join me live Friday, 3 o'clock, right here, youtube.com slash bonfire sports. Everybody who is in the live chat right now, go down below, give us a thumbs up, Give us a like, or if you're watching this after, jump into the comments. I read all the comments. Uh, really appreciate all of that. Uh, the Bonfire Sports hotline is just lit up. It, it's just ringing, and people are leaving voicemails. It's awesome. Uh, be sure to do that uh, as well. Uh, join me and Walby Friday at 3, as we always do the day before the game. Post-game, Zach, I do have a analyst lined up, one of my faves. Uh, we'll keep that a surprise uh, until right. the show. But- That'll be just a few minutes following Bombers, Stampeders. And then, of course, you and I, my man, will be back here on Tuesday next week at 7.30 for Bonfire Midweek. And we we may have uh, an exciting uh, unboxing at that point. I'm just going to leave it there. There okay. may be some cool swag to unbox that we want to give away. So uh, not promising, but we, we we may have something lined up, folks. Love that. Love that. Love the yeah, teasers. Baby. Love okay. the teasers and not teasers. You just love the teasers. The teasers. <laughs> no, I love teasers. Lowercase T. There's some. There's some Winnipeg for you. Did we hear from Dalton Schoen? 
Oh no, we didn't. Okay, let's get to Dalton Schoen right now because like I I I I talked with him for a few minutes, but this is the the good stuff right here. And apologies for um, a little bit of uh, sound clipping in the middle of it. But uh, after a monster game, uh, here's the Blue Bombers clearly early, most outstanding rookie. It was a it was a tough program when I was there, you know, especially with Coach Snyder. He's he's a legendary coach, and he ran a tight ship. Um, and so that work ethic is just something that's kind of always been instilled in me. Um, and it kind of leads back to what we were just talking about, about opportunity. You know, I knew it was a great opportunity for me coming up here, but I also knew I had to be prepared for it and to make the most of it. You know, I think coming in shape, that's easy. That's something you can control, you know. You're never going to be able to control the opportunities you get when you're up here, how many reps you get, stuff like that. So I wanted to control the things I could control, be ready to go, take as many reps as I could, and ideally be healthy and stuff like that. Who's helped you the most since arriving here? I'd say all the receivers. I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for, but you look every one of those guys in the starting lineup with Dembski, Sheed, Wally, Greg. Greg was a new guy to this program, but a guy with a ton of experience, you know. And uh, I played his spot a lot early in camp, too. He's right next to him. I talked to him a lot. But all four of those guys have been awesome. You know, they, they're really good about communicating, making sure everyone's on the same page. Whether it's out here on the field or in the film room, you know, they do a good job of breaking down stuff they've seen. Obviously, they've played these teams a ton where I haven't, you know. And so they, they know the players. They know the schemes a lot. And so they've all communicated a lot with me. Your numbers have been impressive. Uh, four touchdowns in your first seven games is really something for, um, you know, a rookie in pro football, let alone first year in the CFL. Um, how fortunate do you feel to, to join a team that has somebody like Zach Kolaris pulling the trigger? I feel very fortunate to be a part of this team um, for a multitude of reasons, though. Number one, like you just said, getting to play with Zach is awesome, whether it's, like I said, playing out here on the field or, um, you know, in the film room, just learning from him, how he wants you to run routes, what he sees, you're on a play, stuff like that. Then I also feel fortunate because I love the culture on this team, you know. It's something that I want to be a part of, and it's something that I'm kind of used to is the team-first mentality helping everyone along type stuff. You know, I've, I've been in a few pro facilities and it's not always like that. You know, it's a lot of every man for themselves. So to be a part of that culture here in this team and then this receiver unit, how close we are, it's pretty special. So there is Dalton shown uh, starting with comments about like where all of his, um, you know, professionalism and, and kind of veteran savvy that he has already, uh, despite, you know, he, he's been in some NFL facilities and, and worked out with teams and, and you know, been off-season members uh, of them, but has never played in a game. He comes to the CFL and really is something to see him just with immediate chemistry and gel with Zach Kolaris. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a special player and, and uh, he, he is, I, I would imagine the odds on favorite hands down to win rookie of the year. Hey, Darren. Yeah, I think so. I think so. He also touched on uh, like what else he played. He was a three sport athlete in high school. So he played basketball, ran a little point guard, a little bit of uh, shooting guard, and then he played baseball as well. Can you guess what position in baseball Dalton Schoen played? I'm going to say shortstop. Mm, good guess. Good guess. He's a wide receiver, so he's got good speed, can cover a lot of ground. He's got good hands, good hand-eye coordination, can catch center field. He played. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In high school. Uh, and he said, uh, he even specifically said he played shallow center because he could pretty much track down any of those like balls over his oh, head. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even talked about like kind of the, the Willie Mays, uh, you know, basket catches similar to, to how uh, uh, football players catch those, uh, those deep 
football. So, um, yeah, well, hey, Gregory Leverpool guessed it right. He he guessed center field. Uh, but, yeah, Dalton Schoen, uh, what a diamond in the rough uh, the Blue Bombers found uh, with him. And I can't believe I almost forgot to play that for all of us. I know, on, dude. Uh, you were talking committee. about that at the beginning. So, yeah. Oh yeah, waiters. Is there are there odds on the sports interaction for rookie of the year? That'd be fun to to go check it out. Go go check, check it out. out. Throw down some right. some some coins there, folks. Not not your yep. mortgage, but just you know, have a little fun. It's 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 just entertainment money. So hey, you win. SIA great. Yeah, SIA.com slash bonfire. Uh, we appreciate that uh, as always from everybody. Okay, Zach, great show today, man. Uh as I mentioned to everybody, pregame Friday, postgame Saturday. And uh, Zach, I will see, we will all see you back here uh, on Tuesday next week. Yes, enjoy the analyst. You know, Darren, I, I noticed you don't call me an analyst. It's like, oh, an analyst is coming. You know, Zach's, no, you're Zach's an just a personality. He, you know, read he's the fun guy at read, the party. Read hey, the I got description some below. I've got some analyst stuff. I do not Read the description stuff. Read the description below. It literally says fan analyst Zach Schnitzer. Fanalist. An analyst. We just made up a new word. I did think I, I, should, I didn't fanalist. say fanalist. You want to no, call yourself I did. a fanalist? fanalist. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like yeah. it. I like it. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay. That's pretty good. Th okay. Thank you, everybody. For fanalist Zach Schnitzer, I'm Darren Bombing. We'll see you guys next time here on Bonfire. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.